Welcome to the Future of Internal Communication podcast series. This series is brought to you by the Institute of Internal Communication and is hosted by myself, Jennifer Sproul, Dominic Walters and Catherine Barnard. How we work is in the early stages of profound transformation. Over the next decade, the entire nature of how we work will change. Technology, evolving socio-cultural attitudes and behaviours, globalisation, climate change, and these are just some of the trends impacting the way we work in the 2020s. While many aspects of work will change in the coming years, some things remain constant. One of those is the role communication plays in our ability to create understanding, meaning, and enable people to perform at their best, both individually and collectively. How we communicate sits at the heart of organisational success. World-class communication transforms working lives by helping people feel informed, connected and purposeful. When we feel seen and heard, we feel our contribution matters. With change as the new normal, the work of the internal communication profession has never been more important. And in this podcast series, we explore the changing world of work to identify the opportunities for the internal communication profession. We believe that a better understanding of the future of work will help us deliver better communication strategies for our organisations. And when we better serve our organisations, by default, we future-proof our careers. We hope you find this podcast series thought-provoking and encourages you to really see the opportunities that lie ahead as the world of work continues to change. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode one of the new podcast from the IOIC, where we're going to be talking about the future of internal communication. In this episode, we're going to be looking back firstly at the history of human communication and why it's so important. And in this episode, we're actually going to give you the chance to get to know myself and my other co-hosts who are going to be with you throughout this series, where we really look at where we've come from and where we're going and how internal communication really can drive a positive future of work. So to start with, I'm going to do my self-introduction. So I'm Jennifer Sproul. I'm the Chief Executive of the Institute of Internal Communication. And I'm going to pass over to Dominic Walkers to do a quick introduction for himself and why we think this is a really important topic to be talking about. Uh, Thank you, Jen. Hello. Uh, Yes, I'm Dominic Walters. I'm a a, a communication consultant specialising certainly in the last few years around leadership communication. So my background, I think, is nearly 30 years, wow, in working in communication and learning and development, uh, both in-house, but also uh, working with lots of different organisations, particularly with leadership teams around their communication. Um, And I think why we're doing this is we've got a fantastic opportunity to really prove the value of communication. It seems silly that after so many years we have to still be doing that, but we do. And now we have a great opportunity to prove how communication can help organisations move into this new world of work. So I'm very much looking forward to, to doing these podcasts. Fabulous, thank you. Um, So everybody, I am Catherine Barnard, Kat, and I am a partner at Working the Future, where we provide work trend intelligence and help businesses um, throughout the UK and beyond unpick the future of work and build future-proofing strategies for new ways of working, um, particularly relevant, obviously, in the COVID age. Um, And bit like you actually Don my background goes back almost 30 years I started my career um, in the early 90s um, in staffing and I 
helped build teams of engineers who went out and subsequently built mobile phone networks across Europe. So I've always been fascinated by the role of communication in team building and team optimization. So that's kind of my background and my interest in this topic. That's fantastic. And and I just said, I said my name, but I think why I'm passionate by my role is quite clear. Obviously, I'm here to, to lead the Institute representing the internal communication profession. But just to say as well, I started my career over 20 years ago when I've come from a sort of marketing comms world. And I'm really passionate as the sort of chief executive of this institute, but just as a human being in making sure that actually how communication is such a vital part of how we work, how we connect, how we make sense of our world. And actually, actually, it's so intrinsically important to an organization and what more we can do as an institute to put that really at the top of the agenda and not just thinking of it as a, a simple thing anyone can do, but how can we really capitalize on the opportunities that all the change in the world right now and the changing work can really bring to our members and to our profession. So as I said at the outset, this is our first episode. And so today, before we go to future, and what does this mean? It's really, I think, what we discussed when we were creating this podcast, important to look back at where have we come from? What's our origins? And why is communication so important? So I'm going to kick off, really, with talking about, so as a species, why do we communicate? It's a very fundamental question. Um, how has our ability to communicate led us to be such a dominant species? We take it for granted that we can do it, but why is it so important? Don, what are you? What, what are your thoughts on that? Okay, well, let me start, I think, with three things. Um, the first is, I think, that the value of recruit recording knowledge, of maintaining knowledge. I think one of the advantages we have as a species is we're able to record knowledge and keep it and pass it on through generations so that knowledge can build and, and generate. So I think the first thing is around that, that ability to do that. I think the second thing is the ability to organise. So again, we're a powerful species because we can organise ourselves into teams. Uh, and going back to what Kat was saying about when she was putting together teams, communication is a real driver in, in terms of making teams work. And I think the third thing is that uh, emotions are so important for human beings. Um, I don't know how emotional different species are because they can't tell us. Like that's that's sort of the point, which is I believe that humans have more refined emotions. And if we do, therefore, you have to express them. There's no point in having emotions if you can't express them. So I think be able to translate how you feel into words is a really powerful thing for us to do. So I, I think for a starter, those would be my, my three things as to why humans communicate. But Kat, let me pass over to you. I think that's a really interesting starting point. I would um, I would add to what you've said, Dom. Um, I don't know whether you, any of you guys, or indeed any of the um, anyone listening in right now, has read um, *Sapiens* by Yuval Noah Harari. Um, it sat on my bookshelf for many years before I got round to reading it, and I actually read it. I think we're definitely within the last sort of six nine months, and it is fascinating because it actually tracks the history of *Homo sapiens* as a species and differentiates between *Homo sapiens* and Neanderthals. Um, on the grounds of communication ability. And um, so if I remember this correctly, I think what he was saying was that you can track um, communication back 70,000 years. And, and he also, to your point about emotion and knowledge sharing, Dom, he talks about how um, some of the 
some of the primary aspects of the cognitive revolution were that we we learned as a species to communicate um, through story, through the telling of story, and through the passing on of myths and beliefs, which 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 joined us together, you know, shared belief systems, shared myths, shared stories, create a shared understanding of the world. And it was those shared stories and beliefs that enabled us to, to collaborate. So there's something really powerful there for me around the art of communication and what gifts it brings us. And um, in terms of, you know, good, decent society and civilization. And I think what's really interesting for me, and I find myself reflecting on this most days, is, you know, we take these gifts for granted. Look at the digital communication revolution, which obviously we're going to talk about in later episodes. But it's, it's you know, you could argue that it's eroding this natural gift that we have um, to our great detriment. And so I'm always interested in the origins of, of communication, which of course anthropologists are still discovering because new things get found all the while. I'm interested in the earliest forms of communication and, and, and where we sit right now. And just anecdotally, I was researching just before the um, episode because I was thinking about the cave drawings, you know, those prehistoric cave drawings, which are a really early manifestation of communication between humans. And I came across an article, I think we used to think that the Lascaux cave drawings in France were some of the earliest ones, and they're like 30,000 years old. But actually in Indonesia, at the start of the year, um, anthropologists and archaeologists have discovered cave drawings dating back, they think, to 41,000 years ago. Wow. Wow. That's a lot to take in in terms of our history. And I think, as you say, we do perhaps take it for granted. And I think this thing about it's an art. And that's why it's a profession. And that's why we need to professionalize because it is an art and we are complex. And there's lots of things that can enable it, but it's a human instinct. It's a human need. It's a how we make sense of society. And it's so emotional. I think I remember once someone said to me as, as human beings, we make sense of things, we respond to things 80% emotionally. We're not rational. So we need to think about actually the art of communication and our origins and that storytelling and how it how it really, really builds connection. So so you know, we just talked a little bit. So it's it's so important, the art of communication. It's so important. It's so important for success, for human well-being, for civilization and for society. I guess now really what the thing is, what why is it so important? Why why do we think we need to work on communication? Why do we need to see it as an art form, not just take it for granted? Dom, I don't know about you, but what, what are you as a communication consultant of 30 years experience? I think you would want to see it as an art form, wouldn't you? Yes, definitely a rarefied art form, I think. Um, why is it an art form? Is because uh, it doesn't follow a definite process. And this can be a frustration, I think, to lots of people I've worked with who perhaps in their working lives are very practical, engineers, perhaps accountants, because they want a process. Tell me what I need to do in order to communicate. And to a, to a degree you can do. You can say you need some messages. You need to think about how you're going to express them. You need to choose the right time to do it. Uh, you need to make sure it's relevant. But what makes the difference is that, that X factor, which is about being able to connect with people. 
And so that's why I think when we're asked about great communicators, are they born or made? The, the real answer is it's a bit of both. Um, so you know, we can all go through the motions. We can, we can all improve our performance. So I liken that with me and Usain Bolt. I'll never be anywhere near as fast as Usain Bolt. We have certain physical differences. Fortunately, you can't see that on a, on a podcast. But I know if I followed some of his discipline, I would improve my performance. Um, and so I think that's the thing. We, some of us have abilities naturally to communicate because we can connect with others, but we can all do something to improve. So that's why I think it's, it's an art form. It can't be simply put down into a process. There's that extra element, which is how we know instinctively how to connect with people. And I think that's also down with the emotional stuff as well. I don't, to coin a phrase, I don't know a huge amount about art, but what I think I do know is it differentiates itself from the sciences because it has that emotional element. So it stirs the emotion when you see a great piece of art. And it's the same way as when you, when you hear or come across a great piece of communication. It stirs you emotionally as well. And I think that's what makes it different. That's what makes it an art. Yeah, yeah, I think that's really interesting. And I think, you know, when you, when in listening to both of you, I was thinking about, oh, somebody somewhere, somebody somewhere has said, haven't they, that we're not thinking creatures that feel, we're feeling creatures that think. And I think, you know, I'm, I'm always minded to think it is an art form. And I think one of the inherent skills that we have as human beings is navigating conversation. And I, I think about how we craft our thoughts in our heads before those thoughts become spoken word. And the one thing, you know, the, the, the um, comparison point with art, the one thing is you can craft your words with the very best of intention, but you can never guarantee how those words will land with the audience, the recipient or so on. And, and, and as such, it's like a dance, isn't it? Because I'll say something and then I'll be watching your face, Jen, to see how you've interpreted, to see how my words have landed with you. And then, and then you may say to me, oh, that's interesting. However, I think this. And I'm constantly re-navigating, recalibrating to make sure that the conversation is mutually beneficial and doesn't kind of... Um, rub up the wrong way and so on so for me you know the, a conversation is that is is a quest for mutual understanding that is constantly recalibrating itself to ensure that both parties are aligned and comfortable with the nature of the conversation and i guess what i think as well is um these thoughts that come to me i've been i've been contemplating a lot because we live in such a divisive world at the moment and I thoroughly believe that the reason why we're so divided is because we're losing our way in the art of communication because digital communication allows us to broadcast mm -hmm. without the feedback loop we can just throw whatever we think out into the world and we don't need to hang around to tune into mm the feedback that's really important and it is it's 
it's that art of communication and that why we do it in terms of it's the conflict resolution as well. It's understanding that. And I think there are many dangers in, in communication in the world that we've opened up to. And I think that divisive point is, is really important. And, you know, like you say, it's verbal cues, it's reading back, it's seeing expressions, it's a dialogue. And, and perhaps we're in danger of losing perhaps some of that art of dialogue and art of agreeing to disagree. And that's okay, because we're emotional as well. But it's about understanding, perhaps, while we, while, while we disagree and, and helping to navigate through those conversations that are really, really important. So we've talked a lot about why communication is important, that it's an art form, that it's emotional. We've talked about divisive and the threat of digital. And we've talked about, you know, where we've come from and actually the orange of it. But, so, but aside, we've talked about talking, we've talked about writing, we've talked about digital, but Aside from that, what are the types of communication? What What is the art form, if you like? Um, so we don't just think of it as one linear entity, Dom. Oh, I think a number of things on that. Uh, I think starting with, uh, it, it's about thinking about the overall impact you have on your audience. And you can have that through a number of different ways. And I, and I suspect many people listening to this will be familiar with the fact that we speak through, sorry, we communicate through uh, words, music and dance. So what we say, the tone that we say it, and uh, our body language. And I know there are some hotly disputed statistics around those, saying that I think 7% of what we say is down to the words and 38% is down to the tone and the rest, 55% is down to body language. Uh, and actual fact, they really only apply when those three things are out of sync. So it's really the basis of sarcasm. Uh, if someone says to you, if you buy a new car, that's a nice car, isn't it? Then their body language and their tone give away what they really mean. The words are, are meaningless. And I think that's applicable when we're communicating as leaders or as anybody, actually. Um, if the way we, our body language seems to be out of sync with the, what we're saying, people will pick up on that and they'll give much more credence to our body language or indeed our tone. And, and that can be quite unintentional. So sometimes we see leaders who are naturally quite low energy who will say and mean it, uh, I'm really committed to this, they will not convince their teams because that's not put across in the energy they give. And I think the other key thing to think about is the power of silence. So leaders and managers in particular, but also individuals cannot not communicate. So you, you haven't got an option of saying, I'm not going to get involved in communicating. And uh, we're saying this the week after Matt Hancock, the health secretary in the UK, had to resign over all sorts of issues. And one of the reasons why he did resign, having held out for at least a day, was because of the silence of his conservative fellow conservative MPs who didn't support him. And I think that's very interesting. They didn't say anything. And the fact, the fact they didn't say anything gave a message that was very clear that they weren't going to support him or not in enough numbers to, to help him survive. So I think the use of silence can be really important. But the key message from all of this is you cannot, as an individual, not communicate. Anybody who's been in a relationship will know this, that you cannot get away from the fact that you're always communicating uh, through what you say and also what you do. It is. Communication break is always the breakdown of many things, isn't it, in life, Kat? What about from you? You know, what sort of how do you view the the, the wide art and what's going on in terms of, of that communication and what actually it is? Yeah, I think it I think it's really interesting what you were saying there, Dom, about, you know, the sort of the, the music and dance aspect. Um I suppose we all kind of, you know, we all obviously all see the world through our own um, lens of experience. And so the story that I would share is that um, many years ago, 
I did my degree in modern languages. I studied French and Italian and French, obviously we all learn French or most of us learn French at school. So that was just a, a gradual journey from from probably the age of 11. But when I went to university, I um, I took up Italian from scratch and, and, um, and that was a fast track learning exercise and I can absolutely unequivocally say that the fastest way to learn a foreign language is just to completely immerse yourself and when you immerse yourself and you step into you know a foreign country and you don't have those language skills you are put on the ground and you are learning to make sense of the environment and the and the context as, as quickly as you can without words, at which point you are so wholly dependent on nonverbal communication. And it's always fascinated me the extent to which nonverbal communication underpins verbal communication. So watching for facial expression, watching for hand gesticulations, watching for body language, watching all the visual representations of how somebody is communicating their feelings and emotions without the use of words. Um, and I guess, I guess, because that was my educational background, I guess I've always been very minded towards both of those sides of communication. And the other thing that I'm really fascinated in, which I know is quite a recent scientific kind of discovery is, is the extent to which our bodies sync up via the transmission of pheromones. Wow, like I didn't, if you think that through, it makes perfect sense, but it's not something that you would naturally go to as a method of communication. So there's a whole bunch of in-person communicative experience that I, I believe that human beings are attuned to. And I think that's really relevant in the context of, again, digital communication, but also hybrid work and what happens to the way in which we work um, as a consequence of the pandemic, because there's a whole bunch of stuff that I think is really intrinsic to relationship and collaboration and sharing that is contingent on nonverbal communication that perhaps we aren't even thinking about in the way that we ought to be. I think that's really interesting. And, and you touched upon, you know, your early studies and your degrees and actually immersing, you know, learning a language is immersing yourself in that to actually pick up those styles. And, you know, and I look back at how communication as an art, and perhaps it is an art and a science. That's probably, you know, there is that, there's oxytocin, we talk about that as a drug and that builds trust and all that sort of side of things. And, and as I look back to my career, so, you know, we've, we've all been if you don't mind me saying, you know, I've been around a while, and there was, um, and my my early career was uh was in sales, and 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 I started out in that as a very young, you know, twenty something eager. But the way you went about that, there wasn't the option to use the email, there wasn't the option to send, you know, a message or a tweet or to do it all this. You had to have this bravery to pick up a phone to try and speak to someone verbally but a lot of it was about going out and meeting and building relationships because at the end of the day if you were going to sell something someone had to like you to buy it so there was a very sort of fearful early career 
Um, and trust me, cold calling is not a joyful thing for anyone to do, um, but it's really quite scary. And actually then having to put yourself out there, particularly with seniors where you're trying to get them to like you and to impress upon you and to have that longevity. And you just talked about that kind of divisiveness as well about digital and where we're going. And now there's so many different mediums for communication, even though I think what we are as an art form and as a species remains the same. But I think what I'm trying to get to with this is, are we, do you think, in danger and Don, maybe you have a view in this and and having we have fear for certain types of communication because now there's so much we have a fear towards certain parts so that we we, we hide around things we're not building up enough of that art or scientific form uh, i think that's a strong uh, risk at the moment um because uh, it is easier to hide behind electronic tools of communication and that means you don't have to have so much face-to-face -face stuff, which means you lose, you lose the art. I've got three daughters aged between 22 and 16, and I think like many parents of my age would bemoan the fact that we see that in them, that they would much rather communicate via text or um, uh, various different social media than communicate by voice even, let alone face-to-face, -face. And despite my encouraging. So I think there is a risk of that. That, that may just be, be me, me as a, an older parent, as perennially they do, looking back on the new generation, but I think there is a, a risk of that. I think the other thing is the risk of, of not understanding that communication is about connecting with other people, because I still come across a lot of people who see communication as just being telling people stuff or just being, if we get the information right, or if we get the message right, they'll do it, and forgetting that you've got to connect with them. Going back to your point, I think, Jenna and Kat said as well, when people make decisions, it's not about logic, it's about a little bit of logic, but it's mostly emotion. And I know, looking at the work of Thomas, Thomas Kahneman, um, uh, who, who wrote about the, the psychology of making decisions, he said that to make a decision you really want to, to, to stick with, you have to have the emotional buy-in. I think there's a risk that people will forget that as well. But I guess my biggest point about this, biggest risk is that we are facing <clears throat> a massive decline in trust. Um, in the last 20 or 30 years, I think in my working lifetime, people no longer trust what they used to trust. I mean, back in the 60s, people trusted authority. They trusted civil servants, banks, police. That's eroded, I think, so much, particularly in the last 30 years. The banks, certainly, they don't trust anymore. They're winning like they used to. Even things like supermarkets, they don't trust because of all the scandals. And that's spilling across into work as well. So uh, you can't rely upon position power now if you're a leader. You have to engage people emotionally. Yeah, I think that's really and that, that trust piece. And we talk about trust as this intrinsic thing that if you get that, that's actually the, the, the basis for, for, for everything and, and creating an organisation that thrives in making working lives better, making a good society and binding society as well. And I mean, Kat, I don't know from your point of view, you know, what do you think? Do you think communication has helped you? And you talked a lot about languages. And do you think there's a fear of of communication or types of communication or that's posing some threats to perhaps that 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 civilization that trust and that sense of connection as don's described it yeah i think I, I, you know again i think it's all just so fascinating because communication is is the bedrock of relationship it's the primary means by which we build relationship and there's a couple of things that i'm thinking on at the moment and i think it's probably brought about because of Dom's reference to uh, music and dance. Um, so, so here's the first thing. Um, when babies are born, the very first thing, they, they, it, and you know, as any parents listening in will, will attest to this, but it takes about 
five or six weeks before a baby is able to fully interact with its primary caregiver. And one of the first ways in which a baby starts to communicate is through eye contact. It's known as interactional synchrony. And it's the way in which a baby will, as soon as it can open its eyes, although it can't focus fully, the first thing a baby will do is seek out eye contact with a primary caregiver, at which point this nonverbal communication and relationship starts to build and a baby will mimic the facial expression of its primary caregiver. And this interaction starts to build and the rapport and the relationship starts to develop. And I think that's, you know, that's something that I find myself reflecting on is that right from the get-go, in order to build safety, human beings are hardwired to build connection and rapport with the people around them. And I think the one thing that we perhaps overlook in communication today is, is the mutual kind of um, symbiosis of, of, of the act of communication. I speak, you listen, you speak, I listen. And I, I think perhaps we overlook the listening part. We overlook the part where we make sense of the information that you've imparted and we interpret that through a lens of relatability. And I wonder if one of the reasons why we're seeing a rise in, in divisiveness and antagonism and, and disconnection is because, you know, the rise of digital communication has happened so quickly, really, hasn't it? Because let's think, you know, the smartphone didn't really hit the mass market until 2007, 2008. That was when the first Apple iPhone came out. Um, so we're still, you know, experiencing digital communication in its infancy. And I don't think we, you know, I don't think our brains and our emotional processes have caught up with that. And I, and I think we're all just barking at one another and we're not taking the time to really listen. There was a great book that came out last year or the year before called You're Not Listening by Kate Murphy. She's a New York Times journalist. And, and she was pointing to the fact that you know the, the the loneliness and the social isolation which is which is manifest right now it you know can be attributed to the fact that we're not we're only engaging in one part of the communication process which is the broadcast and we're not paying enough attention to how the information lands and to back to your point Dom when you're you know, working with your leaders, there isn't a single part of being a leader which isn't a communication process. Because when I walk through the office and say nothing, I'm communicating something to to the team. When I close the door for a bit of peace and quiet and silence and space, I'm communicating something to the team. The car that I drive is communicating something to the team the i don't know the 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 strategy that the business you know the direction that the business that's communicating something and 
And actually, today's leaders need to be thinking about all of that stuff, which, which is massive. It's a massive sea change, but it is absolutely, back to your point, Dom, there's not an aspect of being human, which isn't kind of a, a, a communicative process of sorts. Mm-hmm. And I think that also reflects the fact that um, everybody needs to be receptive to how people are taking their messages. Because you're right, everything you do communicates a message, and it may not be the one you intend. And how do you know that unless you're really tapped into people, you understand why they're thinking the way they are, what they're thinking, that can be through formal methods and informal methods, but you have to have that feedback loop. But I think many people forget that. And I would also add in, sorry, just to just to finish off, and I think it's really interesting to hear you say that in your experience of working with leaders, there is this tendency towards wanting like the instruction manual. Just give me the instruction manual. Because mm. that's just smacks of inauthenticity to me. I know I can understand, but you know, this is a net, this comes back to my point. Communication is a gift, and we all have it, unless you know, unless you're born with a disability that inhibits your speech and your your listening capability. We all have this gift, and and it just feels like we're overlooking it to our you know to our greater detriment. Mm. I think that's something. We, and on this series, we're going to unpick this, you know, with this episode, we're doing all about looking about that history, because we need to understand that foundation, don't we? And there's so many fascinating things to, to, that we've just pulled out there from the devices, the threat, the thinking about actually what is communication? It is not just what we write, what we send, what we do. And, you know, there's a lot that's changed in our lives over the last 12 months, but actually been a lot that's changed in our lives over the last decades. We could even say hundreds of thousands of years, you know, that, that we've talked about. But it is a gift. It is an art. And, you know, as we take through this series, we're going to really speak to some more experts in certain areas and and look about how the future of work is going to impact the future of internal communication. But I think I just for this as we get forward, but from all your points of view, we've talked a lot. What do you think is the biggest threat to the art of communication in today's modern world? Dom, I don't know if you've got a few on that. Well, I think one of them is, is the decline of, of trust that we've, we've talked about. Um, I think the, the, the other big threat is um, people who have leadership roles not taking it seriously. And I think that's a problem. Or if they don't take... So why would they not take communication seriously? Because uh, they feel it is about transmission and broadcast, as Kat was saying. Uh, but the other side of it is they they don't understand the impact they're having on people. I think, as we said before... So, so one of the biggest battles we face when we're trying to help leaders improve their communication skills is showing them that communication is important. Um, and probably instinctively they know it, but they don't demonstrate in their behavior. So I think th- those two things. First of all, how do we make sure that people trust leaders? How do we build trust? And that takes a long process of, of consistency. But then secondly, how do we make sure that leaders understand the importance and they see it's worth investing the time in it mm. when they've got other, other calls on their day? Mm. And Kat, from your your readings, you know, for you, I think, you know, what do we think is the biggest mm. biggest threat? I think I would say, you know, we are, as a species, I think we're kind of at an inflection point without getting, you know, without getting too um, dismal in in thinking. But we are at an inflection point, and I think, you know, for me, I think that we have this massive opportunity right now to really 
unpick and define what value communication brings I think it's being undermined by many many things I think digital communication is is key for me in terms of you know we can run down that path but unless we stop and check in with ourselves as to what we might be losing if we go all digital I think that's a massive mistake I think the trust aspect that you've just highlighted Dom is is paramount as well and I think you know, there's the opportunity. If we can use this podcast series to outline what we believe to be important and true for the art form of communication, there's a massive opportunity for the internal communication profession right now. um, If we stop and take the time to really unpick what this gift is that we have. Um, Because if we don't do that, I think you know, the consequences aren't going to be great for any of us. Um, yeah. I think that's right. And I think I agree with all of those from, from my point of view. And I think that I would just add they're all important. But I think there's also the thing that I would add in terms of what's a threat, I guess, is pace. It's just this pace that we live in. So we're not giving things time to breathe or to bed or there's panic from leaderships, from business, from commercial to we need to make decisions. We need to move forward. We need to change. We need to innovate. And that we do need to do all those things. But we're doing that at such a pace that that is really threatening the art, I think, and science of communication. Um, that's been a really insightful, I think, set us up for what's going to be a fascinating series as we have many guests that we're, we're going to talk to through over this to really try and unpick that and help you as hopefully our listeners who are internal communication professionals see the opportunity um, in front of us to really shape this and make sure actually this gift of human communication is something that's put to the top of every business and organizational agenda because it is, I think, the linchpin to, to many, many successes organizationally but also I think it's a linchpin to to making a a happier healthier well-structured well-meaning well-collaborated society and we mustn't forgo how important all that is so Dom thank you Kat thank you and um the three of us will be back very very soon for for the next episode where we're going to delve even more into the past the present and the future of internal communication as a profession thank you This podcast has been brought to you today by the Institute of Internal Communication and is produced by Jessica Williams and Shabi Tolu Ogun Polu.